informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And thank you for joining us here today on Agriculture of America, AOA. Great to have you along for the ride on the program. And we got a busy one lined up for you here today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Today's program brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, it comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. That is Cenex Premium Diesel. Coming up here in segment two today, we're going to talk with the president of the Illinois Farm Bureau, Richard Gebert Jr. We'll get his thoughts on some ag policy issues, things impacting the state of Illinois and more. So looking forward to that discussion. In segment three at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk with South Dakota Congressman Dusty Johnson. We have a new speaker of the House. We're going to get Congressman Johnson's thoughts on that and other issues like uh, trying to get a farm bill done and many other things going on in D.C. So looking forward to talking with him coming up here in a little bit. And then we're going to learn more about a new collaboration between Walmart and General Mills, uh, looking at adding some regenerative agriculture acres to help feed their supply chain. We're going to talk with Jay Watson from General Mills coming up in segment four today. First up, though, let's take a look at what's happening in the market trade. It's been a pretty interesting week in the markets overall. Joining us now, Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, is with us here on AOA. Mike, great to talk with you again. Hope you're doing well. You too, Jesse. Thanks for having me back on. Well, let's dive in and look at grains first here, Mike. And I know on Thursday's trade, a little bit of green on the screen. And, you know, it's been a, a pretty interesting week, especially a quarter of beans as we've broken back down below some key support levels. And uh, I feel like it's maybe opened us up a little bit to possibly pushing lower, especially in the corn market. Yep. We're trying to kind of hold around 480 December corn and 1295 November beans. So what's your take on just how this trade has kind of moved here throughout the week in the grains? Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because we came into this week with a lot of support from the crude oil and the Middle East conflict and the markets and the grains specifically were really looking to that because we had not found anything from the wheat market had not found anything from the bond market in terms of any kind of supportive news. And, and we continue to see weaker export inspections on Monday morning in the wheat complex. And so without the help of the crude oil market, I think the market in general wanted to go ahead and stimulate some sell signals on some RSI, some stochastics, some of those oscillators that help funds determine the momentum and the sentiment in the marketplace, Jesse, and those daily charts turn to a sell signal pretty much across the board, corn, beans, and wheat. And it was pretty much regardless of the individual fundamentals of each of them. And now that we're heading into the end of the week, we've got some very strong weekly export numbers for corn and beans to deal with. And we've got some buy signals on the weekly charts. And so now the battle lines, I think, are kind of drawn between today and tomorrow how we close out the week. So that's what I've been saying to clients and subscribers. Um, let's not look at the day trade back and forth mindset. Let's look at the weekly close. I know uh, Ukraine, it sounds like uh, reports coming out overnight that they've temporarily suspended movement in their humanitarian corridor. Prices not really reflecting any sort of panic there, but uh, just goes to show that there's uh, we have the Middle East issues you mentioned. We still have the Russia-Ukraine situation. There's 
Uh, plenty of global factors uh, going on that we need to watch in these markets. Another one, too, China signing uh, largely ceremonial in nature uh, agreement to buy U.S. commodities here earlier this week in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, so there's a few things kind of percolating out there on the global front that bear watching. Yeah, and I would address the Chinese thing. Like you said, it's non-committal, and they've been signing agreements with about every country that produces agriculture commodities. They just got done signing a big one with Russia for, I think, upwards of 70 million tons of soybeans in the next marketing year or the next two marketing years. So I kind of put that off to the side and say that essentially means nothing to the supply-demand fundamentals. Your point about the Ukraine, though, in, in this, this Black Sea grain corridor that the Ukrainians set up. Now they're hearing that the Russian Air Force has dropped at least four object pro objects, probably magnetic sea mines into that grain corridor. And it's striking to think about how the Middle East and the Russia-Ukraine situation geopolitically continues to get underbilled by these commodity markets. And, and specifically the crude oil, the managed money funds, Jesse, have cut about 40% of their net long since the 1st of October. And, and this is it should be you know one of those markets where you would keep premium intact. But today's markets, like we learned in the wheat market last year, today's markets are very quick to take premium out, very slow to put premium back in. And I think that's where producers can probably make the most hay, uh, so to speak, when it comes to just being patient and waiting for the market to probably have to put more premium back in. We're waiting to get a little more premium back in here. We're wrapping up harvest as best as we can here across the country. I mean, should farmers be looking at uh, trying to put some floors in in some of these grain commodities? What's your think is or what's your thoughts as far as risk management right now? Yeah, the vast majority of producers are far enough along on soybeans that they know their yields unless they run into a real problem on their last four or five fields. And so most producers are running mid-60s on the low end, upper 70s uh, is a norm, and getting to 80 bushel averages in states like Indiana and then uh, eastern Illinois, not hard to do. And so you take those numbers times 12 and a half bucks a bushel, it's almost a thousand bucks an acre. I think that's where it really boils down to take the money and run and defend those sales at some point if the weather in South America reestablishes itself. But that's one of the keys this week that I think is meaningful. We've lost some of our weather market bullishness from these rains that have come in. They may become too much, too wet, too fast, but right now take the money in the soybeans and I'd say be more patient in the corn and wheat to have that crude oil maybe in that wheat market to turn around. Mike, let's wrap it up on the cattle market here today. Uh, obviously, we saw that bearish cattle on feed report last Friday. Monday, huge down day. Since then, we've been trying our best to kind of recover a little bit. What's your thoughts in this cattle market? Are we trying to find a new floor potentially, or, or what's your take? Yeah, I think we're trying to find demand again because we had some negative numbers this past month. Now, we've had two reports now this week, weekly export sales for beef up 72% from the four-week average. Cold storage showed us down 80% versus last year, down 20% of last year in the beef side of the equation. Um, I think this is two reports that maybe the support uh, could come in here on some tightening fundamentals but we need to regain traction. We've gotten back above 180 on fat cattle. We need to get back above 240 in the feeders. Otherwise, I'm nervous the funds will keep liquidating at this point because it does smell a lot like 2014, 2015 to me in terms of this violent price action. 
Mike, if folks uh, want to reach out to you, have questions, take a look at your analysis and uh, much more, I know they can find you very easily online. How can they reach you? Yeah, go to globalcomresearch.com. It's globalcom with two Ms, research.com. Got a couple posts that were open access, so take a look at those and sign up for a trial. Fantastic, and we appreciate the time, as always, with that Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. Thanks for joining us on AOA this week, and we'll talk to you again soon. Have a great day, Jesse. Fantastic. Always great to talk with Mike Zuzalo. All right, coming up next, we're going to have a conversation with the president of the Illinois Farm Bureau, Richard Gebert Jr. He joins us next on AOA, powered by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. We'll be back with more right after this. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of the Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for the Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles, and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill, or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. 
Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to Agriculture of America AOA, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron, Synthetic Diesel, Engine, Oil, Everyday Products, powered locally. That's Cenex. Learn more online at Cenex.com. Well, I always enjoy catching up with folks around the country and uh, ag leaders from around the country, not just at a national level, but at a state level, too. And happy now to have on the program with us, he is the president of the Illinois Farm Bureau, Richard Giebert Jr. is with us, and uh, Richard, it is great to have a conversation with you today. Thanks so much for joining us on AOA. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well. Thank you very much, Jesse. It's always my pleasure, and it's um, crunch time here on the farm as usual, trying to get a little wheat sowed here today, finish up the bean and the corn harvest uh, before this rain comes in, which we desperately need uh, over the weekend. Yeah, let's start there real quick. How how has quart of bean harvest been for you there in uh, your neck of the woods in Illinois as uh, we kind of wrapping things up here? Well, we're, our farms are located in Randolph County in southwestern Illinois, about 50 miles south of St. Louis. Uh, we're about two-thirds done with corn and about uh, 40, 50% done with soybeans, and we're really pleased with the yields that we're seeing, especially as dry as it was this summer. Uh, we're just a shade above our farm averages, so we're, we're pretty pleased the way the summer was and as, as dry as it was. Well, that's good to hear. Good to hear. Well, hopefully you can get things wrapped up and get that uh, wheat seeded as well and and be ready for uh, the winter months ahead. Well, let's talk about uh, a few other issues. And I know the uh, Illinois Farm Bureau annual meeting is coming up here soon. We're going to talk about that. But I just want to start uh, national level issues that are on your mind and on the mind of folks with the Illinois Farm Bureau. We have a new speaker of the House now, so we hope that we can start to move on various things like ag appropriations and a farm bill of course uh, we gotta do something here we either need a one-year extension or gotta you know hurry up and try and get something done on a new five-year farm bill seems like an extension is more likely to happen what are your thoughts on just some of the issues that we're dealing with right now in dc well we're we're very pleased that um, that we do have a new speaker in the house hopefully you know as you alluded to that you know they can they can really get down to business now and 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 get the you know 24 appropriations bill out of the way and get that done it's crunch time here was it the 15th or 17th of november they need to get that accomplished and work on a farm bill whether it's the state of illinois or any other state across the country the american farm bill we have continued to press our legislators particularly in the house how important this farm bill really is to give our farmers and uh, provide certainty uh, to those that grow, you know, national food, fuel, and fiber, and the role that we ensure that we have a safe and affordable food supply for everyone, not only in this country, but around the world. What about uh, in your state there at Illinois? What are some state-related ag issues? Are there one or two big topics maybe you're watching across the state right now or things that the Illinois Farm Bureau is is working on at the state level. What are some things on your mind there, Richard? Well, you know, as, as most folks are well aware, our state government uh, fall veto session kicked off Tuesday. 
uh, and wraps up, uh, what is it, the, the second week of November. And so it's a pretty busy time for our legislators to to um, fix or, or to to work on bills that the governor vetoed uh, in the mm-hmm. in the spring uh, and to get things cleaned up. We're really uh, working hard at negotiating a cleanup language uh, for a bill that protects our uh, our farmers' private property rights and landowners' drainage issues uh, that relate to wind or solar projects. You know, the governor governor vetoed that bill in August. And, you know, we've really worked hard uh, with our, our friends uh, in the House to find a way forward and, and to get that language where everyone's comfortable and then we can get that across the finish line. Also, we're, what's really important to us is continually uh, raising the awareness of uh, state, our state's estate tax, how it's outdated and, and, and harms our, our, our family farms uh, to pass on those farms to the next generation. And I'm sure you're well aware, land prices all over the country, but particularly here in, the, in Illinois, has, have really skyrocketed over the last mm-hmm. three or four years. And, um, you know, the exemptions that are in play right now uh, in the state of Illinois just does not fit, fit the needs of, of, of our landowners and farmers to pass on to the next generation without uh, impacting the bottom line and um, not having to sell some property to meet the estate tax uh, requirements going forward, and which are pretty brutal uh, going forward in capital gains tax compared to the federal level. We're talking with Illinois Farm Bureau President Richard Gebert Jr. here on AOA today. Richard, I know the uh, annual meeting coming up here for the Illinois Farm Bureau, the 109th annual meeting uh, going to be in Chicago. Uh, talk about the uh, annual meeting coming up. What are some of the highlights that folks can look forward to uh, at this year's meeting? Well, we continue. To, it's always a great time for our members to get together uh, to uh, gather for business and, and social opportunity. You know, our ice cream social, our foundation is always important. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, one of, one of our highlights has always been our young leaders. And they have their state meeting. They have their state discussion meet at that point in time and uh, hand out awards to our young leaders going forward. We'll also honor um, our top county farm bureaus uh, that do an excellent job all across the state and the different programs and, and, and that they uh, put on uh, for their folks back home, as well as, you know, we'll honor uh, Distinguished Service Award winner and our uh, Eagle Award winners for those folks that uh, have, you know, lifetime achievement and, and really served not only Illinois Farm Bureau, but, but Illinois agriculture in many, many ways. And it's just an opportunity to, to honor them as well. And then our ice cream social on Sunday afternoon is always a highlight. And, uh, you know, you, it's kind of hard to uh, not enjoy Prairie Farms ice cream and, you know, the number of, of varieties that they have and peppermint uh, ice cream is always a highlight as long as, as well as moose tracks and, and all the others. Fantastic. Well, and I know uh, folks can learn more ilfb.org. That's ilfb.org, the Illinois Farm Bureau website. Richard, as I understand it, this is your final year as president, uh, too, of the Illinois Farm Bureau. And as you 
kind of reflect on your time leading the Illinois Farm Bureau, what would you consider maybe biggest achievement? What do you hope that uh, the Illinois Farm Bureau continues to push for moving forward? Just some thoughts as you're getting close to wrapping up your tenure as president. Well, Jesse, you know, it, it's been my honor and, and, and distinct pleasure uh, to serve Illinois agriculture, uh, be a spokesman for them, uh, lead the organization. But I would not have been able to do all that for the last 10 years if it hadn't been for an outstanding staff, a great board of directors, and a tremendous um, county farm bureaus out in the countryside. We got some tremendous leaders that advocate for agriculture and, and issues uh, with, within their respective counties and working, building relationships with our legislators, whether it's in Springfield or Washington, D.C. It's always been uh, interesting. The issues uh, today compared to when I was elected, uh, you know, 10 years ago are probably more complex and more intense. Uh, and folks are really uh, interested and work hard to uh, get their voices heard in Springfield and in Washington, D.C. and to tell about uh, what's, what's going on uh, all around uh, their farming operations and in their county farm bureaus. And what do I look forward to? We've started a project last this past uh, spring about, mm -hmm. about the organizational member strategy. I hope that we can continue to build off of that and find a way forward. You know, as, as most organizations, uh, volunteer organizations, membership is declining, farmers are getting older, we're having less members, and how do we serve our members going forward? What do they want and what is, uh, what, how can we best focus our, our, our uh, dollars going forward to provide the programs and activities that our members want and want to see and participate in in the years to come. We'll learn more at ilfb.org. That's ilfb.org, the website for the Illinois Farm Bureau. We've been talking with their president, Richard Gebert Jr., here today on AOA. Richard, thanks so much for the time. We'll let you get back to that uh, quarter bean harvest and wheat seeding. Take care. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much, Jesse. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Coming up next here on AOA, we're going to have a conversation with South Dakota Congressman Dusty Johnson. He'll join us next. The show today brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that does it. That's around. Back with more on the way right after this. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge, but with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices.
Are you curious about biologicals for stronger crop health? You're not alone. At Terramax, they've seen more farmers just like you choosing to apply biologicals with increasing success. For more than 25 years, they've been harnessing the power of microbial inoculants to strengthen roots, improve soil health, and boost yields acre after acre. If you're ready to get a biological boost, turn to the experts at Terramax. Visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more about what microbial technology can do for your farm. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grains and livestock are mostly higher this morning. Corn is attempting to halt a fifth consecutive day of losses. Now there's been little news ahead of USDA's export sales report. Slack export demand and the advancing harvest have sent futures lower recently. And while U.S. corn export activity has left much to be desired, except for Mexico, one competitor is a bit less active today as the Ukraine government has temporarily suspended the use of their own Black Sea Grain Corridor. That's upon threats from Russia. Ukraine grain shipments have already been running about 30% lower than a year ago. Now, one bullish note on corn is the rise in U.S. ethanol margins that led to a robust production last week of 1.04 million barrels per day. That's the highest in nine weeks. Weather features in the near term are showing heavy rain and snow is likely to delay harvest activity. Heavy rain will extend from Texas up into the Midwest, while heavy snow has fallen and will fall in the northern plains with very cold temps to move south and east. USDA announced another sale of soybeans to China for 23.24 of 4 million bushels. Now, we had an impressive export sales total for both corn and beans last week, but soy exports are still nearly 30% down from a year ago, and wheat is off about 6%. Soybeans are higher on the heels of a stronger bean oil market. Palm oil futures also jumped by 2.2% while the strength comes despite the weakness of spot crude oil. Soybean meal, which hit a new contract high yesterday, is down once again and the only lower commodity currently. While the downtrodden wheat market is getting a modest boost early today following Kansas City's December contract falling to a new contract low yesterday, recent weakness has come as U.S. wheat sales are trailing those of a year ago and recent rain has improved crops in both Argentina and Australia, although both of those wheat crops are still expected to be down sharply from a year ago. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. A good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, powered to perform. 
Well, our next guest, it's uh, been a few months since I uh, had a conversation with him in his stomping grounds there in Mitchell, South Dakota at Dakota Fest. Happy to have him on with us here today, South Dakota Congressman Dusty Johnson. And uh, Congressman, it's great to talk with you again. Hope you're doing well. Oh, well, yeah, considering we just came through a bruising three weeks without a speaker, I guess I'm doing a little better today. I was going to say, you uh, you hit the nail on the head with what I was going to ask you about first. We we have a new Speaker of the House. It has taken us uh, quite some time, but Mike Johnson of Louisiana has uh, taken the gavel. Your thoughts on finally um, getting uh, getting an end to uh, this uh, this issue here and getting the House back in order. Just uh, give us your thoughts and perspective of how this all came together to get Mike Johnson uh, into the uh, Speaker's chair. Yeah, first off, uh, three things quick. I mean, number one, it re- really was an unfortunate three weeks. I mean, you think about all the stuff we got to tackle from a farm bill to the southern border to a, a looming government shutdown to $33 trillion in debt to having allies at war. It was a real, real bad time for, uh, you know, eight hardliners uh, to join with 208 Democrats to put us into uh, chaos three weeks ago. Uh, so that's number one. It was really unfortunate. Number two, I think Mike Johnson's, I mean, I know Mike Johnson's a good man, hard worker, a smart fella. This is going to be a guy who is up to the job. Uh, but number three, listen, this is, a, this is a, a tough hand of cards that the House has dealt itself. Uh, it's going to take everything he's got uh, to be able to navigate us through these tough few waters. And listen, there's some bruised feelings. I and mean, when you go from, you know, Kevin McCarthy to Steve Scalise to Jim Jordan to Tom Emmer, all of them brought down along the way because of stubbornness within the Republican conference. Uh, it's going to take a little while to get everybody back on the same page, I think. Well, hopefully we can get folks back on the same page sooner than later, because to your points, we got a lot to figure out. And of course, uh, top of mind for folks on the farm and ranch is a farm bill. I know we got to get appropriations done, then on to a farm bill. Hearing some chatter that there, there may be some stalling on the Senate side with the farm bill. Uh, so just what's your thoughts with where things stand on Capitol Hill in terms of getting this farm bill done? I, I assume we're going to have a one-year extension probably of the current farm bill uh, before we can get a new five-year farm bill done. Yeah, I just walked out of a meeting to, to uh, talk with you. Uh, was in a meeting with Ag Chairman G.T. Thompson as well as I mean, it, it was with him and, and all of us who are chairman of subcommittees for the uh, Committee on Ag. We were talking just about this issue. I don't really understand why the Senate is, is so far behind on the farm bill. I know in the House we've made some really good progress. Uh, we've got text that is just about uh, ready to go. We're getting closer every day. I mean, obviously, committee staff and then committee leadership, we we didn't take three weeks off, even though the House didn't have a speaker. We couldn't do stuff on the floor, but there wasn't any prohibition uh, to us getting stuff done uh, behind the scenes. So I think we're in a pretty good shape, pretty good shape. It does not seem like the Senate is in quite the same spot. They are talking about a longer extension. My, my personal feeling is we should not do a, a, a year long extension. Uh, if we've got to if we've got to kick this thing for a couple of months to to finish up our work, okay. But deadlines drive achievement, uh, not just in D.C. but everywhere. I would hate for us to kick it too far down the road because I I just think we want the predictability of of uh, having uh, farm and ranch policy set for five years. 
Well, and that's the thing. I think a lot of farmers and ranchers are, are you know, wanting those updated uh, reference prices and that certainty and you know, crop insurance and more. There's there's so many things that if, if we do a one-year extension, you know, you think about the climate when this last farm bill was written versus now. I mean, a lot of things have changed between going through COVID and looking at the commodity markets and more. There's Things are different now than they were back in 2018. Absolutely. And in a number of ways, we're using old data from, from even longer ago than the last farm bill. Uh, we talk about a base acre update. I think if it, no, it, it kind of depends on how you implement that mandatory versus voluntary. But I think that would be a really nice piece of a policy win that we could get. Uh, and then, yeah, reference prices. Now, of course, all these things cost money. And that, uh, as is almost always the case, is going to be the big fight uh, in D.C. We are not uh, Republicans in control of the House. Listen, we're just not interested in spending more money. We're $33 trillion in debt. Uh, it's time to quit digging in the wrong direction. There are some places that we can find some dollars. Uh, so I think we're going to be able to invest in reference prices and, and hopefully a base acre update. But there's a little fighting left, left to do on that front. Well, and you mentioned this earlier, we have another uh, shutdown, government shutdown deadline coming up in front of us here in November, and we have uh, allies who are at war, and we need to do some movement on things there. So uh, there's, a, there's a couple other things in front of us, too, that, that seem like hurdles we have to get past. Do you envision that we're going to go up against the deadline again on a potential government shutdown, or do you think we can get something done uh, in advance of that? Most we squandered three weeks, and it was it was a gosh darn shame. I, I just don't know any other way to say it. So we were in a position where we had, uh, in the month prior to this whole speaker debacle, we had passed out appropriations bills out of the house that were seventy percent of the discretionary spending. I mean, we'd gotten uh, we'd gotten a lot of work done, and we're well positioned to spend it to finish the last thirty percent. Well, we flushed half of our available time down the toilet. Uh, there is a path toward us getting that last 30% buttoned up. But even if the House finishes its work, uh, the Senate uh, needs to finish theirs. And then, you know, just we're going to have different plans. I mean, in general, the Senate likes to spend more money. In general, the House likes to spend a lot less. So it's going to take us a little while to come to an agreement on, on some kind of common ground between their plan and ours. We're not going to be able to get all that done uh, between now and November 17th. So Speaker Johnson is talking about uh, another stopgap funding measure that would, and I think people are going to be a lot more comfortable with that. If the House has finished its work and we just need to reach an agreement with the Senate, people are going to be a lot more comfortable with the thought that we're not rewarding bad behavior, we're, we're, we are rewarding good behavior. The House did its work, now let's get an agreement with the Senate. We're talking with South Dakota Congressman Dusty Johnson here today on AOA, and uh, Congressman Johnson, uh, you mentioned it as well. I mean, we have the atrocities happening in the Middle East that are just horrible to see on TV, and so I know that we need some movement there. You mentioned the southern border, though, too. Uh, obviously, that's an ongoing, continuing issue. Farm labor is, is kind of tied in with that as well. I mean, what's your thoughts on some things you would like to see potentially there for legislation? It is way too hard to get here legally and it's way too easy to get here illegally and i know that common sense people probably would be able to solve this problem in about two days of, of hard work you know it's not always as much common sense in dc as i'd like 
My sense is that on both sides of the aisle, people do understand uh, how incredibly powerful uh, work visas can be in expanding the American economy and, and building American prosperity. We do not have enough workers in this country. Everybody knows that. And we, we do want to have legal mechanisms uh, for people to be able to come and, and help uh, make America more prosperous. Honestly, though, we're not going to be able to get make headway on uh, immigration or uh, uh, work visa reform until we get that southern border uh, secured. I mean, I just I know I, I don't know how anybody can defend having between 1.8 million and 2.4 million people illegally cross that border in a given year. And so I think job number one has got to be, and it's not, it, it is really not, Jesse, about throwing more money at the problem. It is about policies that we know work. When Donald Trump put into place Remain in Mexico, illegal border crossings fell by 85% in just six weeks. So to sum up, I'd say, number one, let's secure the border. Number two, then we can have a conversation about uh, legal pathways. Final thoughts from you before we run out of time. Uh, anything else uh, on your mind uh, that you are watching here want to work on in the next few months ahead in dc that could impact agriculture etc anything else on your mind you want to share with us today i still care a lot about market access i i we've mm -hmm. got the best uh you know beans beef uh dairy corn in the world and boy they're hungry for it i mean people are begging us seemingly everybody from another country that shows up in my office says gosh darn it how do we get the how do we get the Biden administration to be willing to, to talk to us about, about a deal that could see more American goods flow that way? And, and you know, this year we're going to end up with, uh, for the first time in kind of a long time, we're going to end up uh, with a, a, a trade deficit on ag products. Normally we run a, a surplus, a pretty healthy trade surplus. We want to get back to that. And I, I think that's going to be about more market access. I've talked to Trade Ambassador Ty about that. Uh, but I think there are a lot more things we need to be doing together. Are you worried that Trade Ambassador Ty and the USTR have not done enough work on that front right now? I agree with your assessment. I don't think it's been enough work. Now, listen, uh, Ambassador Ty is whip smart. She understands these issues. Uh, she's done a good job of walking me through some of the things they've done that I don't think they're probably getting much credit for. I think they are trying to make uh, uh, lots and lots of little bits of progress. But there is still tremendous appetite in farm and ranch country for progress on bigger proposals. You know, the, the number five market for American corn is Colombia. Now, that's not because Colombians eat a whole, you know, a disproportionate amount of corn. Uh, that, that's not uh, for any reason other than the fact that we've got a trade agreement with Colombia that just kind of that causes the invisible hand to just sweep American corn into Colombia at, at really high rates. And, and that's what's possible. And I think uh, particularly with Japan, to a lesser extent, India, certainly the UK, um, we need to continue to build on the progress that the Trump administration and Bob Lighthizer made. Well, with that, we're out of time. We'll wrap it up. South Dakota Congressman Dusty Johnson, always great to have a conversation with you, sir. And uh, have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks much. All right, coming up next on AOA, we'll talk with Jay Watson, Regenerative Agriculture Director at General Mills. Today's program brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Back with more on the way right after this. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. 
Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. So how's Harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan. And it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Do you know how much one stock of wheat is worth? Well, you're about to find out. Wheat is a member of the grass family that produces a dry, one-seeded fruit commonly called a kernel. There are about 1 million kernels of wheat in a bushel, about 50 kernels per stock, which if we do the math is about 20,000 stocks of wheat per bushel. That means that if a bushel is worth $8, then each stock is worth about 0.04 cents. So, you would need 2,500 wheat stocks to equal $1. Now that one bushel of wheat will yield approximately 42 pounds of white flour or 60 pounds of whole wheat flour. A bushel of wheat makes about 42 pounds of pasta or 210 servings of spaghetti. Wheat is the primary grain used in U.S. grain products. Approximately three quarters of all U.S. grain products are made from wheat flour. And in the United States, one acre of harvested land yields an average of around 45 to 50 bushels of wheat. So if you ever wondered how much one stock of wheat was worth, now you know. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. 
you can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. Information America's farmers and ranchers need. AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Sedex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. Well, right now, we want to learn more about a new partnership between General Mills and Walmart, a new regenerative agriculture collaboration. Joining us now to talk about it, Jay Watson, Regenerative Agriculture Director at General Mills. Jay, thanks so much for joining us today. Hope you're doing well. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate the opportunity. So let's dive in and talk about this a little bit. I saw this come across my desk, and I thought it was very, very interesting. So for starters, tell us just a little bit more about this new collaboration between General Mills and Walmart. How and why did this happen, Jay? Yeah, so General Mills, Walmart, and Sam's Club, we launched a new collaboration to aim at really accelerating the adoption of regenerative agriculture principles across approximately 600,000 acres in the U.S. by 2030. Um, the three organizations, we, we aim to help players across the food and agricultural value chain engage in landscape-level sustainability programs. And of course, you know, regenerative agriculture, one of those key cornerstones is soil health. And we share a belief that regenerative agriculture or soil health are effective tools to help address climate change, but also create positive outcomes for people and planet. So that the collaboration allows General Mills Walmart and Sam's Club to advance our sustainability goals by focusing on regenerative agriculture on the farmland that's critical to our, our shared business. So the products that we sell to uh, Walmart and Sam's Club, and we estimate the number of acres based on that shared business, right? The ingredients sold and the targeted acres and, and regions that our supply chains connect to. So that's that's a little bit more about the collaboration. We're very excited about it. Well, and you kind of hit on some of the goals I would have to imagine just looking at sustainability efforts. And I know that obviously regenerative agriculture and sustainability as a whole in agriculture has become a, a, a really hot topic as we try to feed a growing world. And so I would have to think to what you alluded to, that's some of the goals of this partnership is kind of uh, working together on an overall sustainability mission here uh, throughout uh, you know, roping agriculture into this with General Mills and Walmart. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Talk about some of the goals uh, that you see with this partnership? Yeah, I mean, of course, we have uh, both our all three organizations have a, have a focus on, you know, people and planet goals. Uh, we think about soil being able to pull carbon out of the atmosphere, um, you know, where in excess quantities, it's a harmful greenhouse gas. We think about um, the benefits to water, to farming communities, to farmer profitability. You know, there's a big focus on uh, biodiversity as well. So we, we think about General Mills as a catalyst along with Walmart and Sam's Club to help accelerate the movement. 
General Mills defines regenerative agriculture as a holistic principles-based approach to farming and ranching that seeks to strengthen ecosystems and community resilience. So it's both focused on, you know, those, those, those natural resources and the communities that depend on them. And, you know, of course, our businesses depend on both those ecosystems and communities. So goals, I'd say, are really focused on those, those targeted outcomes of soil health, carbon, water, biodiversity, farmer economic resilience. Um, with that re- resilience piece, I think, really being really important to underscore, right? It is building resilience in these ecosystems and communities so that we have supply, supply chain resilience, surety of supply, um, really a business imperative for us if we think about the objectives for, you know, sustaining business at General Mills and Walmart and Sam's Club. We're talking with Jay Watson with General Mills here today. And uh, Jay, uh, you mentioned about adding the acreage uh, and how, how you guys kind of came to those numbers and more. But w- what's the kind of the timeline we're looking at here for, for this collaboration and adopting new uh, regenerative ag acres uh, with this collaboration? I mean, are, are we looking at a couple of years here to kind of get up to a, a target goal, so to speak? We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. What's this timeline kind of look like? We're looking at a 2030 goal, and we've mapped acres impacted by a year, along with that pledge of 600,000 acres. So over the next seven years or so, uh, we'll be working towards that goal in partnership with um, the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation. Initially here were some of those um, first grantees will be announced at that time and we're, we're excited to share further information about the specific implementing partners on the ground um you know the the ones that would maybe be focused on targeted states and um also excited to share more about those specific kpis as we uh, advance into the partnership together and, and you mentioned some of those grantees and uh, you know eventually announcing specific states and and things like that how can how could folks stay up to date? How could farmers and ranchers learn more about this collaboration? Is there a way for them uh, to get involved more as well if they if they wish to? Is some of that information forthcoming? Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we, we plan to share more, um, like I noted, with the, the initial slate of grantees, but ongoing across those years leading up to 2030. Uh, of course, we both have ongoing communication with the progress of our larger commitments that this uh, collaboration is really in service of okay our websites our global responsibility reports are great resources as well for um, a broad stakeholder base um but you know what i think what we we hope to achieve you know walmart general mills sam's club is is to show up where we can in these places so that farmers who have the opportunity to connect to some programs can can hear from us directly um that's one of the great pleasures i have is to to get out along with the team um, into these communities and and listen to figure out how we can how we can play a, an active role in accelerating the um, adoption of more soil health and regenerative management systems. So mm-hmm. um, certainly more to come. We look forward to sharing a lot more, and um, you know, we're excited. Jay, before we let you go, anything final you would add or reiterate for folks here today? Maybe just one thing that you know we we know that farmers are core to all of this, right? So we, we're you know that listening element is really important um, identifying those organizations that can work with farmers um, in, in key areas where we source key uh, ingredients like wheat oats dairy 
um, really to accelerate that, that adoption of those principles. But we, we know that it's also very important to measure the environmental and economic outcomes. And so we think about two primary objectives about being kind of walking alongside farmers with those implementing partners to accelerate the adoption and to quantify the impact um, to those targeted outcomes so that we have both um, the what and the so what of the program. And hopefully that's good for the farmers and the communities, but also, you know, great narrative for, for the collaborators in this in this program together. Well, we appreciate the time. That's Jay Watson, Regenerative Agriculture Director at General Mills. We're out of time here on AOA Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex, Baxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Turning to biologicals for improved plant nutrition and nitrogen fixing may feel novel to a lot of farmers, but it's a proven method for decades. Nobody knows this better than Terramax, a leading innovator of biological inoculants for more than 25 years. Their strong roots in microbial technology means they know what it takes to deliver stronger roots for crops acre after acre. When you decide to boost your yield with biologicals, turn to Terramax. Then visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council.